This episode is brought to you in part by Wholehearted Love, a new book by Caleb and Stephanie Rouse. Overcome the barriers that hold you back in your relationships with God and with others, and delight in feeling safe, seen, and loved with Wholehearted Love. For more information, go to Tyndale.com. Hey friends, and welcome to the Worth Your Time podcast. I'm your host, Erica Anderson. I'm a Christian freelance writer, mom of two littles, and I'm passionate about helping you live out your best and deepest faith in everyday life. On this podcast, you'll hear from inspiring women, moms, and ministry leaders, authors, and more. Those on mission for God with a message to inspire you in your Christian walk, wherever that may be. Each month, I send out interviews, tips, book reviews, and exclusive giveaways to my email list. If you'd like to receive these things, just head to my website, ericaanderson.com, and sign up. My new book, Reason to Return, Why Women Need the Church and the Church Needs Women, comes out this January, and I want you to be the first to know all the details. Enjoy the show. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to the Worth Your Time podcast. I'm your host, Erica, and today I am joined by my friend, Elizabeth Rhino. Elizabeth, thank you for coming on today. How are you? Thanks. Thanks for the invite. I'm great. I'm really glad to be here. I like your background there. That seems like pretty like artsy. <laughs> well, you know what? We've actually been shuffling rooms in our house and none of our office spaces have doors and we have dogs. And so when I do <laughs> recordings, I need to find a room with a door. And currently nobody is sleeping in this room. So it, was yeah. a, it is It is a bedroom, but it's nobody's bedroom right now. So I'm using it. <laughs> well, it's cool. I, I wish I had a cool background. It's always usually my kitchen. So kitchen. at least it's at a least nice it's kitchen. Pretty. It's a nice kitchen. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Well, okay. So Elizabeth, tell us what, what you want us to know about you. Tell us, give us an intro to you. Yeah, sure. Well, um, I am a wife. I've been married for 25 years. So that's definitely celebration worthy. Um, and actually, my husband and I are just about to go on our 25th wedding anniversary cruise in two weeks to the Mediterranean. Um, home. You guys love cruises. <laughs> we love cruising. <laughs> we have figured that out. We, I mean, we didn't cruise. We didn't really, neither of us traveled a ton growing up. Uh, we grew up on the East Coast of Canada, and we didn't do a lot of travel outside of that part of the country. And so we didn't figure out till probably 10 or 12 years ago that we that we really like cruising. And so now... It's just one of those things that we prioritize uh, to spend that time together and to go different places and just to be unplugged completely. And so we're we're excited that's coming. You out. know, you're like a real cruise <clears throat> enthusiast when you're saying cruising, like we just oh. go cruising. Um, <laughs> I just think that's funny. Um, what do you like about it? What do you like about it? I love the ocean period. I mean, I grew up on the ocean and so here I miss it here in the Midwest. So first of all, water. Secondly, we usually go places that are warm. I love the heat. Um, but I really love that it's, you don't have to, you don't have to rush anywhere. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it is very relaxed. Cause you can't leave. You, can, you can't leave the ship unless you're ported. And then like you can take it or leave it. If you want to go to the trivia game, you can go to the trivia game. But if you just would prefer to sit by the pool, you can just stay at the pool. There's no sense of urgency ever all week long or however long you're gone. And so I just, I think we just really love that. We don't usually, I think we will this time because we're going for a longer one, but we don't usually have Wi-Fi, And so like we literally we can't work and we can't scroll and we can't mm. lose, you know, get lost in that. 
And so I just, we, we are intentional with our time with each other and we have a lot of fun. So I love it. Totally recommend. <laughs> oh, that makes me want to go on one. It's been a long yeah. time. Okay. Yeah. I'm, I'm totally interrupting your personal introduction, but I, no I, just, worries. I just go when I have questions. So yep. you're from Canada, which part of Canada, like which side of the country is it? On the East, uh, we on grew up east. in Nova, Nova Scotia. So in a port city, so right on the water, Halifax. Yeah. And, but we also lived in, we've lived in several other provinces on the East coast. Like when we first got married, we lived on Prince Edward Island, which is a tiny little Island. Um, it's beautiful there. It's great. Yeah. But we mostly lived in, once we were married, New Brunswick, which is still East, but a little bit West of Nova Scotia. So above Maine, around, you know, you know, where Maine is, we're kind of up in that area there. So, so it's a beautiful spot. What is like, um, what are the differences? Like, what is something that's like happens in Canada that does not happen here? Is there anything that you can think of? Uh, well, I, we, we definitely noticed when we came here, like if you are in the mall or if you're walking, um, out in the neighborhood here, people don't look at you and they don't say hello, (laughs) but there everybody's going to say hello to you and probably stop you and have a conversation because they probably know somebody that, you know, you know, it's just, there are fewer people and the hospitality is huge. And so there's a lot of connection and people go out of their way to be connected. Uh, so that's something I would say that happens there that so sometimes happens here, but maybe not quite as much. Mm. Um, and kitchen parties. I would say that that's another <laughs> thing we notice. Like when people congregate in a home up there, it's always in the kitchen. Whereas here, it seems hmm. to be like in the living room or the family room or whatever. There, it's always the kitchen. I can think there was always just cooking. There's always food. And so naturally people gravitate there, but it's just that small difference, but it's noticeable. <laughs> that is really funny. Are people, how, I feel like people are like not into politics in Canada. Is that true? Not as much. Um, although like if they get something in their craw, they're going to be about it, but yeah, it's definitely not, uh, the center of people's focus as much Mm. as I would say that it is down here. Yeah. Sounds healthy. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Okay. I'll let you continue. You only got as far as married and Canada. (laughs) Right. Okay. So we have three kids. So I'm a mom. Uh, My kids are grown 23, 21 and 19. Um, and they're, this is a really like rewarding season of life with kids because they've, you know, they've passed all those growing up hurdles and they've really stepped into who they are. And it's just really rewarding to watch them, you know, become them. And, and those aren't necessarily the things that we, some of the things we foresaw and some of them we did not. And so it's just, it's the surprises are fun. And some of the things that we didn't realize were happening that they've grown into are just really, it's just really it's like you can look back and say, oh, I can see what was happening, but I didn't realize what was happening mm-hmm. as they were growing. And so as young adults, they're super fun. They all still live close. Well, two of them still live with us and, and our oldest, he lives close to us. And so we're able to be together, all of us, um, at least weekly. And then, you know, we love to spend time together. It's fun to watch them as adults have their own friendships with each other too. And it's, mm-hmm. it's, it's fun. So love that. Um, I'm a worship pastor um, and I've been in ministry, worship ministry specifically for 20 or so years. Um, Not officially as a pastor, but growing in volunteer roles and then 
stepping into some more leadership and whatever all along the way. And I got the opportunity to become a professor of worship for quite a lot of years at a college, a Bible college up in Canada. And so I really was shaped in those years and had a lot of fun investing in college age kids. So that's a sweet spot for me. Um, So I'm a worship pastor. My husband is also a pastor. We're both by vocation, although we both have other jobs outside of our church ministry. Um, And we like that. We like to straddle uh, inside the church ministry and ministry in the marketplace. And so we're working, I'm working in two businesses. He's working in one and um, it just keeps things, I guess, spicy and fun. And, um, but the other thing is I pace, I've learned how to pace myself. I think I've learned what my pace is and I've learned what I can do and what I shouldn't try to do. And I kind of stick in that zone and I feel like it's a healthy place. So I'm not spinning a thousand plates and feeling out of breath all the time, but I am very happy with how I'm able to juggle the things that I have. Um, So, yeah, I I mean, in the future, I have a a retreat center, retreat retreat space or of some sort on the horizon. And that's kind of what I'm working towards. I want a place where um, hospitality is a gift of mine. Um, I love having people. It's a it's a gift. It's a hobby. It's just part of who I am. I love hosting and having people around and connecting people to each other. And so I want a place where people can come and rest and and connect with whatever resources they need. There would be there might be counseling there or coaching there, massage, you know, natural wellness stuff, just a whole lot of rest and fun. Um, so but that's, I don't know what it looks like yet, but those are kind of some of the values that will be there. So working towards that and excited about it. I'm going there for sure. But please, sounds yes. <laughs> amazing. Actually, we were just yeah. talking, I don't know if you were in this conversation, I was talking to Joni, which is our friend from church and her girls were going on a retreat this weekend. And I was like, I want to go on a retreat. Yes, and then please, she texted please. me later and said like, what if we like, made that happen like exactly i will totally go it's true i think so often we say i really want to do this but then we don't we don't make it happen but i think literally we just need to pull a couple strings and prioritize it and make Mm -hmm. it happen yeah it's um there's something special about a retreat a weekend away with a group of people Mm -hmm. because you're Mm -hmm. just so cut off from regular life and usually you're not with your family. So you can sort of, you know, entertain the things that you need to think about. And you, you get very intimate with people that you may not know very well, but it is, you know, something that you kind of walk away with, like, never forget. And um, it's usually in the, like in the forest or, you know, beautiful and you can be be in nature and you can really hear, I think you can really hear God's voice more clearly in some of those times. It's true. There's less noise. Um, I have some very shaping memories of prayer retreats and, and just other just focused times away that really shifted my direction and my perspective and that kind of stuff. So I want to be able to provide that for other people too. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, that kind of, I have so many questions flowing around. Like I wanted to interrupt you two other times. (laughs) You're welcome to interrupt. So Okay. So before I get, I'm going to go back to what I, what I wanted to interrupt you you with, which is when you're talking about your kids. So, um, um, most, well, the listeners of this podcast are mostly women and many moms. Um, I would say probably moms that have kids younger than yours, but we all are eventually going to get to that point. And I get there. Yeah. One thing that I think about a lot is like when my kids get older and you sort of, you know, when they're little, you have so much control over them. 
Yeah. You, know, you <laughs> guide them, you tell, they listen to you, you know, everything, but as they become yeah. young adults, you have to like, let go of that. Yeah. And so, it, and, and so as a Christian parent, if your kid, you know, is making a decision that you don't like or, or whatever, like, how do you deal with that? <laughs> what do you it's do? Hard. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, you, you probably cry a lot. <laughs> um, it is difficult. And we've gone through some seasons with our kids where they have um, made decisions that are different than what we had wanted them to. Um, I think that one of the key things that we have learned, you know, now, as we've gone through some of that is, is how obvious you have to be about your unconditional love and that mm. there's literally nothing that they could do or say, uh, or places that they would go where you wouldn't be with them and that you wouldn't be for them and you wouldn't be, you wouldn't love them. And so, uh, we've realized how difficult it is to believe that kind of thing. I mean, even as a, an adult, it's difficult to believe that the Lord <laughs> loves us regardless of, of the decisions that we make. Um, he is for us and not against us. And so for our kids, as much as we tell them that we love them all growing up, it's sometimes still difficult for them to believe that my parents are not going to you know, abandon me. They're not going to. And so you have to be very obvious about that by your very presence and by your affection and with your words. Um, constantly, even when they're running and even when they're hiding and they don't want to be found. Um, we, you know, we want to be always the home that they, that they feel safe to come back to. And so it's, it's not easy. Um, but I mean, on this side of it, our kids, like I said, our kids are just straddling the age 20. Um, and you know, they, we've gotten to a place, I think, where they feel safe with us and they still want to spend time with us. And not to say we haven't had hard times where they didn't want that, but they do and they choose us. And um, it took a lot of work to get there and a lot of consistency to say, do we, do we actually really still love them when they're doing this? Cause that really hurts me. Mm. Um, but getting before the Lord and asking him to help um, me forgive for the things that were said or, you know, whatever um, is really important. So being humble before the Lord with how much something might hurt um, is important because he then fills you with everything that you need to pour grace out on, on them. So, mm -hmm. you know, we, they are fabulous human beings and they don't always do the things that we would have expected. And so, and, you know, is that okay? Sure. That's okay. We've decided in advance that we're always going to be there for them. We're always going to be there with them. And so when a hard thing comes up, we already know how we're going to respond. Mm -hmm. I like how you said they choose us. I think that's like the ultimate dream of any parent when their yeah. kids get older is like that they would choose you still to yeah. come yeah. back to, to spend time with. And obviously yeah. I think there are definitely going to be phases. Like I remember phases in my life when I did not want to choose mm. my parents. Like, Same. Yeah. you know, I remember in young <laughs> adulthood when I was like living out in DC very early on and my mom was coming to visit and I was kind of like annoyed. I was kind of like a bummer that she, and now I'm like, I can't even imagine feeling that way. I'm like, what? Right. You were like annoyed that your exactly. mom came to visit you? Like Seriously. I would be stoked right now of that, you know what I mean? Um, <laughs> yeah, and that was just a brief do. period of time, but you know, that's, yeah phase and it, yeah. you know, it happens and yeah. then you move on. But yeah. I think that's, that's really, really solid advice. Um, yeah. Okay. 
Oh, did you have something else to add? I was just going to say, like, I think one of the, one other part to that is recognizing that they also need other people. Mm-hmm. So they don't just need us. They need other people. And it's okay if they are more open with somebody else who's a, you know, a, a healthy influence in their life. If they're more, it's okay if they're more open about certain parts of their life with that person. And so there was a bit of learning there too. Like at one point I wanted to be everything. <laughs> For these kids. And then at some point I realized I can't be, I'm not, and I can't be everything. And they do need other voices in their life and that kind of stuff. So that was the, I guess, the other part. They still choose us and they have other people that they can also, you know, confide in and, and be supported by and that kind of stuff too, which is good. Okay. Yeah, definitely. Mm-hmm. I don't remember that. We, and even now we can't be everything, even when they're five no. years old, you can't be. Yeah. I mean, I think you can, but. <laughs> Well, and and it's yeah. so good for kids. I mean, this is kind of a different topic, but I am a really big believer in having as many like trusted, safe adults um, yeah. in their lives as possible. Because, you know, from what I understand and what I've read, like the more of those types of people that you can have in your kid's life, like the better security security they'll feel, the better foundation right. they'll have. And also you, I think, want you want your kids to have people other than you that they trust to talk to because sometimes kids won't talk to their parents. That's what I've heard. You know, mine are little, they talk talk to me about everything, but but eventually they won't. And I want them to feel like if they're afraid to talk to me, that they have another person that is trustworthy that they can talk to. So it's really important. I think in all stages of life to have as many people in there as possible that are good, strong (laughs) foundations for people. Absolutely. Um, okay. So your retreat center, let's get back to that topic. <laughs> My For favorite sure. topic. Um, yes. So that kind of goes along with a business part of your business that you've recently, somewhat recently started, which is mm-hmm. you do life coaching. So mm-hmm. people hear that sometimes and they go, well, what the heck is that? So seriously, yeah. what is it? Tell us about it. <laughs> Yeah. I mean, I used to think the concept of a life coach when I first heard about it was ridiculous. I'm like, I don't, I know how to live. <laughs> I, don't, <laughs> I don't need help with life because it didn't. I mean, I had is um, an advocate, somebody who comes alongside, um, who's got a bit of an outside perspective, and the the model is typically typically to ask really good questions mm-hmm. so that you're doing self discovery um, yourself. So it's not a counselor. Life coaching is different than counseling. And some people, sometimes people will come looking for a life coach and I hear what they're looking for. And and I have to say, you're not looking for a coach in this season. You're looking for a therapist or a counselor for a season Mm -hmm. and maybe coaching afterwards. Life coaching is more about helping people to learn strategies for, you know, responsible living, for um, product productivity. Um, it's a life coach can help you walk through um, a big decision. Um, a life coach can help you set a goal and then a strategy to meet your goal. Um, and so it's kind of like the skills of life, the things that that it takes to be productive and responsible um, and to relate well to people. A life coach can help with that. So communication, even re- conflict resolution, those kinds of skills that we can actually grow in um, is where a life coach can come alongside of you and ask good questions to help you uncover kind of blockages or mindsets that are 
holding you back or or habits that are destructive rather than productive. Um, so it, for me, that grew out of <clears throat> a longer journey, um, which I would say started probably six, seven years ago, um, where we were going through some real hard stuff with our kids. Um, and I myself, just as a product, I think of my circumstances, I was depressed and I just felt lost. Like I didn't, I just, it was like a fog. Everything was a fog. I was really sad. I didn't know how to help my kids. Um, and they weren't responding well, even to the counseling we were trying to get for them and that kind of stuff. It was just, it was kind of a messy time. And so I was having a really hard time myself and the Lord I mean, I know it was the Lord just dropped this phrase, joy let loose into my heart. And I was just like, what in the world does that mean? But it wouldn't, it wouldn't let me go. And so I had to think about it because it was just very present. And so I'm, I'm like arguing with the Lord kind of and saying, you know, I am really sad (laughs) and you are telling me to let joy loose. And I don't feel any, like literally don't feel any joy. So I don't know what to do with this phrase. And so it was, I mean, it was a long season of just kind of wrestling with that. And so the only thing I, I felt like I had to do something. (laughs) I felt like I had to respond. And so the only thing I knew how to do in the moment was to start a blog. I was like, Mm -hmm. I I do know how to write. I'm I'm not an awesome writer, but I'm, I'm I can communicate through writing. So I'm stuck at home. I wasn't working at the time. I'm trying to homeschool these kids and they're they're in a bad place themselves. So I can blog from home. So I'll call my blog Joy Let Loose and I'll start to research or look into explore joy. So I did that. And for probably a year, I was writing pretty regularly and it made me have to read scripture about joy. It made me have to read books about joy and and just do some of my own self-discovery. And I realized a lot of different things. But one thing I realized was people were reading it and people were like benefiting from it. And, and it was changing what I was writing about was changing people. And in me, that sparked joy. I was like, Oh, like I can actually help other people uncover things in their life and lay them down or whatever, or be proactive to cultivate joy. I'm doing that and they're becoming more joyful. And that helped me to become more joyful when I realized it was having a ripple effect. Mm -hmm. Long story short, um, I, you know, moved into, moved through several seasons over the last um, several, seven years um, with the pandemic and with um, our kids going through all the things that they were going through. And my mom got sick with cancer and I spent months with her in Canada. You know, there were a lot of different seasons where I had to be proactive about joy and I had to be proactive about deciding in advance how I was going to respond when bad things happened. And I learned how to do that. And I learned how to, to, to be ready for things, not, not afraid of them, but just ready and able to handle them when they came, like my mom dying. I could see that that was coming, but we didn't know how long that would be away. And so I was deciding in advance, how am I going to respond through her sickness and through her death? How am I going to respond with joy? And how am I going to lean on the joy of the Lord in that circumstance? And so then I was ready for it. And I was able to lean on the joy of the Lord when she did pass away and that kind of stuff. So through that season, I was like, okay, I I am helping people with my blog. 
Um, but I want to formalize that a little bit more. Um, and so I decided to become a life coach because that way then I was certified to like literally have a client who needed my help and help them to work through their stuff that they need to decide in advance that they need to be able to prepare for. And so I formalized all of that all the while this retreat center is in the back of my mind. And so it's the Joy Let Loose Retreat Center. I don't know what it looks like, but it will be a place where people can come for coaching. Um, maybe clients that I'm already seeing virtually, you know, come for a weekend of intensive coaching. Um, maybe they come and they don't want to see me at all. They just want to come and rest and like kayak. I don't know. But there will be lots of different opportunities for them to come exact to, to receive exactly what they need. But ultimately, my my goal and my heart is that women would experience joy and learn how to simplify their life, um, you know, according to their purpose, according to their design, so that their lives become joyful. Because, I mean, I find that so many women just don't, they don't like their life. They, they literally, but they don't say it out loud because they feel really guilty about it. Mm. <laughs> They've gotten swamped in in motherhood or they've gotten swamped in a career that just worked out for them, but they, and it's going okay work-wise, but they actually hate the work that they do and they don't feel valued or they don't feel valuable. And they, they feel guilty because <laughs> they don't like their life. And my whole position is we can, we can renovate our lives. Like we all like run We all like before and afters and home renos and stuff. We can renovate our lives. We can choose differently. We can say yes, differently. And we can build a life around what we're designed to do that we actually love and that actually makes us experience joy on a regular basis. And so I want to let joy loose in people's lives by help, by giving them permission to dream and by giving them permission to say, okay, this isn't working out. Let's pivot and let's do something different. And I want to help them to get there. So the retreat center is a part of that. The life coaching is a vehicle, I think, um, towards that. <clears throat> okay, this may be too big of a question or broad of a question, but I'll, I'm going to just go. What sure. does the joy <laughs> of the Lord feel like? That's a good question, a really good question. In my experience, it feels like my legs are not going to kick get kicked out from under me. Mm. Um, it feels like things around me are feel tenuous or feel like they could cave or, you know, like if they're stormy, but the joy of the Lord feels steady and it feels mm -hmm. constant and it feels like I, I know and I'm confident that there's hope for better on the other side of this and that this is not going to take me down. So mm -hmm. in my experience, joy is tied to happiness. And even in scripture, you can see how it's tied together, but it it isn't only happiness because the joy of the Lord is present even when I don't feel happy, if that makes sense. Yeah. I feel like sad, sadness makes way, makes room for joy to grow. And actually sadness amplifies the joy of the Lord and makes hmm. it even more obvious. And so to just be happy isn't, isn't all that the joy of the Lord is because joy the joy of the lord is present in sadness yeah i always of course thinking of uh philippians when paul is in jail and singing and you know in chains praising god and yeah you know i also just read was reading 
<clears throat> Genesis, I was reading about um, Joseph and, you know, I don't think I ever realized this, but he was in jail for 13 years before <laughs> 13 <Yeah>. years. <laughs> like so think about how long even. that is. And mm-hmm. he was so faithful. Like mm-hmm. it just, that story, you know, it's like, it, that's the great thing about the Bible is that you can read it over and over and every time it's like, yeah. And every something time amazing. something more, yeah, something more. But I was just thinking, yeah. it's like how God orchestrated it. Like how, so he, so Joseph was faithful. The guards asked his dream and he knew, okay, I can tell them. He didn't have yeah. any idea that that was going to do anything. Was going to do anything. That's right. Yeah. But it's like God orchestrated <laughs> it so that, you know, oh, and then later in the Bible, you know, it's like, and then the cupbearer forgot about Joseph. Like the guy right. that he, he forgot to tell the Pharaoh about him, but then yeah, he whoops. remembered, then right. he remembered later <laughs> and he tells Pharaoh, oh yeah, there's this dude in prison that like yes. he can interpret dreams. And, right. I um, and yeah. so they bring him. And then I thought this was funny too, was that um, uh, Pharaoh's like, well, oh my gosh, well, what should we do now? Like he tells him the dream and then he's asking Joseph like, well, what should I do now? Joseph's like, well, you need to appoint someone that's a, and right. he's like telling him yeah. like, again, not expecting it to be him. Like, right. he's just like, here's right. my advice. And then exactly. was like, all right, you got the job. You're like, the man for the job. Yeah. You know, and then it's just like, he was so faithful for all those years. And then he continued yeah. in his faithfulness and in leadership too. And, um, it's just, it's, it's such a great example. And mm-hmm. I don't know, I guess like joy has always been I think something that I haven't felt like I knew how to really activate fully. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Like I've always had that phrase in my mind, like ha- it's not happiness is joy. Like joy is like all the time and happiness is just temporary mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. you know, choose joy. I've had the shirt that says that. Yeah. I have the shirt too. Yeah. <laughs> and, and that's one of those phrases that pops through my mind sometimes when I'm having a hard time where I'm like, choose joy. And I'm like, I can't. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. Right. I can't do it. And so when someone's having a moment like that, when they know, like, or they feel as a Christian, you feel like I should be joyful. Like you feel Mm -hmm. that you almost, you feel guilty Mm -hmm. that you're not. Mm -hmm. Yeah. What should they do in that moment? In the moment, I think, I feel like there's all the time, like disciplines or practices we can do to cultivate it. But in the moment, uh, I mean, even in the moment, one of those practices that I say that I know builds joy is to practice gratitude, which again mm-hmm. is another phrase that people say and probably have on mugs. But <laughs> uh, you know, we can we can make a practice and a discipline of being grateful, um, not just when things go our way, but even when things aren't going our way, we can choose to have a perspective that looks outside of the circumstance. And is grateful for the circumstance because it's going to grow something in us. But we can also be grateful for other things outside of the circumstance that remind us that, okay, this is a small circumstance in a bigger picture. And the bigger picture is good. And the Lord hasn't left me. So I would say we can cultivate gratitude, or sorry, we can cultivate joy by practicing gratitude uh, as a regular habit. But even in the moment of something not going so well, we can choose to be, to find something or probably multiple somethings because we are all very blessed to be thankful for. Um, That's kind of been my, my go-to rehearsing. Like I I am a worship leader. And so I do talk about the fact that we were, when we worship, 
corporately, we are practicing our faith. We're, we're telling our story. We're learning to listen to people's stories. We're reminding each other and ourselves about who God is and who he says that we are. It's like a rehearsal mm-hmm. um, so that we are maturing and growing confident in our faith. So we, this, we can do the same on our own. We can just continually rehearse what's true. This is what I, this looks bad. This circumstance, this season feels terrible. So what do I know is true? I know that God is always good. Even right now, he's good. I know that he is for me and not against me. I know that he is present and he's filled me with his spirit so that he is in me and empowers me. So I have everything that I need to be able to walk out of this circumstance um, and grow closer to the Lord in the middle of it. So just even just telling yourself, like like the the psalmists, when they were writing the Psalms, so many times they were they were telling them their own soul, like, why are you downcast? Oh, my soul, like, like talking to themselves and don't forget this is who God is. Don't forget this is what God has done. Having those regular conversations. I mean, I talk to myself a lot. <laughs> and so even more now that the kids are older and they're not around all the time, I talk to myself a lot and I, I, I tell myself those things a lot, grabbing a hold of scriptures and just saying it, repeating it, saying it out loud. As a practice, um, I, I know that that is a big part of what has built my joy and enables me when things are real bad to be able to lift my head up and continue to look at him and walk towards him. Yeah, it's like so many things where um, you need to have those tools, like those actions to take and also just yeah. like the the investing in that part of your life. Like I talk a lot about um investing in your faith life so that when you need access to that in a deeper way, like you have like a bank, like a well filled, ready to be there, a community there for you. Whereas if you are in an emergency and you haven't been building that, it's going to be a lot harder to get the support or the reassurance or whatever that you need. So that's why like, it's just so many things like have that kind of symbolism and yeah, um, I think it's the same. And you're doing that with your kids right now, like by deposit, by helping to deposit the word of God into their little minds, then when they need that, the Holy Spirit is going to bring that back to their mind. It's already in there. They've heard it. Maybe they didn't realize they remembered it, but you've planted the seed and it's in there and the Holy Spirit can bring it to their minds when they need it. And so yeah. starting young with your children, um, and, but also doing it for yourself is so important. Yeah. So what is um, on the horizon for you now? What are your, are you taking, you're just taking clients, you're kind of building towards your vision for the retreat center? Yeah, I I have built, um, so I I do coaching uh, one-on-one online virtually at this point. I am considering uh, potentially starting some in-person one-on-one coaching. So that's a potential that's on the horizon. but I've also built uh, two different um, online coaching courses. Uh, one of them is a mini course that will take about 10 days. Um, and one of them is a fuller, like eight week-ish course, although it is self-paced. And so people could do it a little quicker or a little slower, geared for about eight weeks. And and that one is my favorite because it's called Your Purposeful Story. And so I feel like it's kind of the sweet spot of what I love the most, which is to help women um, set time apart to get very clear about how God knit them together. Cause 
because we believe that God saw all of our days um, ahead of us before before we were even born and that he crafted us and he doesn't make mistakes. And so when he put us together, he had purpose, he had vision, he had a reason for making us that made him delighted. And so he set us loose into the world to, you know, on mission. Um, but sometimes we get lost in the busyness and the chaos of our world and we lose sight of, or maybe we weren't even taught, maybe we don't even know who we were made to be. And so I love to set women in a place where they can uncover that and unravel the, maybe the mindsets or the things that people have said to them that have caused them to believe differently and uncover who did God's God say that I am. And then I love to help them look at, okay, these are all of the things I've lived through. These are all of the circumstances I've experienced. And I didn't like half of them, but they probably had a purpose. And there's probably something that God wants to take from that and use to help me walk in purpose and influence other people and impact other people. And so it's learning how to help a woman kind of take her life and and the story she's lived and become a lot more intentional about the story that she writes with her life going forward so that she can, A, love her life, like I said before, but B, have a kingdom impact and have a, a lasting, build a lasting legacy that she wants to build so that when she's gone, what the echo of her life is a beautiful one and, and has still has a lasting impact on people. So it's an eight week course. It's, it's hybrid. It's, it's mostly on demand uh, or like self-paced online, but they, they have a couple of one-on-one appointments with me, like beginning, middle and oh, end. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. And uh, so I can help them kind of stay on track or ask a few questions that might pivot them a bit, <clears throat> a little bit, excuse me. So I love that. I, I love the opportunity to, to watch uh, those women just have like all kinds of light bulb moments. And especially, I think especially what I love is when women start to realize that the stuff, the junk from before can be turned into beautiful, like the, 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 the ashes turning into beauty sort of stuff when they realize, Oh, I survived that. And now I have the opportunity to champion somebody else who's going through that very thing. We always have people that our stories can impact. And so I want women to get that and then live into it. And they are always going to experience more joy. That's when joy gets let loose. When they when their purpose is set on mission, mm-hmm. they're going to be way more joyful and their impact is going to be a lot greater. So really, I just, I'm looking to get more, more and more women enrolled in that because I, I, it's going to change. It's not only going to change their lives, it's going to change their family's trajectory. And I believe it's going to change their children. And uh, so, yeah, that's mostly where I'm recruiting, I think people for right now. And all of that, as I'm watching it is helping create the idea of the retreat center. That's I don't know how far down the road. I, I want to say a timeline, and sometimes I get afraid of that. <laughs> It'll happen at the right time. Yes, yes. <laughs> All right, Elizabeth. Well, <clears throat> thank you so much uh, for joining the podcast today. Thank we will link your stuff in the show notes Perfect. and all of that. And um, where's the best place for people to follow you? Uh, my website is just elizabethrhino.com. Um, I literally just started a new Instagram this week that's more geared for life coaching. So it's like oh, cool. from the ground up. So it's Elizabeth Rhino Life Coach. 
on Instagram. Um, my page on Facebook is Joy Let Loose. And so they can find me in any of those places. If they want to talk personally, like literally just go to my website and fill out a contact form. There you and, go. Uh, I'd love to talk with them one-on-one and just see where they're at. All right. Well, thank you so much. And thanks for listening, everyone. Thank you. This episode was brought to you in part by the Truce Podcast. The new season examines the connection between some evangelicals and the Republican Party with the help of world-class historians. Subscribe to Truce in your podcast app or listen at trucepodcast.com.